Greetings and happy holidays. You are listening to Horror Nerds at Church, a ridiculously queer podcast where you could take a deep dive into a horror film and talk about how it connects to queerness, religion, and theology. A horror film or a horrific television special. My name <laughs> my name is Pace Warfield, and I am the set designer who thought that just throwing in like things like a TV and a coffee pot would dress this set in a very sci-fi futuristic way and not be at all obvious. <laughs> and I'm Pastor Emily and I am the protocol droid who actually speaks, not just understands, Shrewook. Hi, and I'm Ben Monroe and I... <laughs> no sense to you at all. You're going to love the first 15 minutes of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash horrornerdsatchurch. It starts at only $5 to sign up and get exclusive access to hours of bonus content, including VooTube episodes about TV shows, movie commentaries, bonus episodes, our video book episodes, and more. For sure, for sure. Today we are going to talk about the much dreaded maligned infamous i don't even know star wars holiday special not the star wars holiday lego special which <laughs> is better than this believe it or not <laughs> what a um, that right and as you have heard we are joined by ben monroe who is joining us for the fifth time six somewhere in there on the podcast uh ben spent yeah, lots and lots of times. Um, ben spent most of his life in Northern California, where he lives in the East Bay area with his family. He is the author of In the Belly of the Beast and Other Tales of Cthulhu Wars, The Seething, and the graphic novel Planet Apocalypse, and short stories in several anthologies. Welcome back. Hey, guys. Nice hey. to see you. Happy holidays. Happy Life Day, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever whatever makes you happy. Yep. Indeed. Yep. We are right in the middle of Advent Misphony for Baze and I. Yep. <laughs> um, but yes, happy life day. I still don't know what it means, but maybe we'll figure it out during the episode. It's because we are droids, so we do not have life. So we are so sad we cannot participate, as C-3PO says. C-3PO with the lies. Lies, I tell you. So, oh, my God. Um... We watched this, Emily and I watched this movie twice in the past two weeks for you all, so we're putting in our time. I have fallen asleep during the first one a couple times. The first one As one is prone to do with this. Yeah. Um, but what beyond just like watch, sitting through this movie t so we can record on it today, um, have y'all been watching anything spooky, anything holiday related? reading anything spooky or holiday related i have been reading star wars from a certain point of view return of the jedi which is probably not the right order for each of those phrases 
Um, but I've been watching a lot of holiday movies interspersed with Rustin about Bayard Rustin and that Bayard Rustin and that movie is phenomenal. Oh. Phenomenal. Highly recommend for anyone. But also, I've been watching a variety of holiday movies because that's what I do in, and am allowed to like do without question. Um, and I'm uh, I've watched almost fifty. So far. wow, I'm impressed. I'm at like forty-eight. Depends on if you count Home Alone too, which I fell asleep basically for the whole thing, except for the first. <laughs> Let me pull up my letterbox and see what I've been watching. Um, this is your reminder that Emily and I and the podcast all have letterboxes, so you can check those out. It's true. It's true. Um, let's see. Yesterday, I watched I watched Saltburn, which just came out on Amazon Prime, if you have access to that. Really good, dark, comedic, twist and turn kind of um, drama film. Um... Beyond that, I watch a few holiday movies, some with Emily. It's a Wonderful Knife, which came out this year. So which good. Is phenomenal. On AMC I Plus or Shudder. Really funny. So Definitely good. highly recommend that for everyone. Yeah. It's a parody of It's a Wonderful Life, except turned into a slasher movie. It's really funny. And beyond that, I also watched I've been trying to do I've been watching a lot of holiday movies, um, just like Emily. But new to me this year, for the first time, I watched Winnie the Pooh, A Very Merry Pooh Year. And I have to say, Aww. not good. Don't watch it. <laughs> Spoiler. It sounded cute for half a second. <laughs> what about you, Ben? Have you watched, read any of the things? Oh, my gosh. So I haven't really watched much. Well, that's, what have I been watching? I, I've been reading. I've been kind of on this weird... Uh, pulp fantasy kick lately I've, I've been reading uh, edgar rice Burroughs pellucidar novels the hollow earth stories mm. which are interesting I, I i feel like i read the first one when i was a kid many many years ago uh back in the dark ages and and so i, I managed to find like six of the seven almost the complete series at the local used bookstore for like a dollar each i'm like well, that's that's worth it so that's been fun um it, interesting you know that's one of the kids asked me what I thought. I'm like, well, it's actually less misogynistic and racist than I was expecting. So that was pretty always, good. <laughs> right? That's always a plus. <laughs> I mean, you know, always for, for pulp, pulp fantasy written in 1919, you know, that's, that's yeah. kind of saying something. Um, and I just started on uh, a collection of Robert E. Howard's uh, call stories. Howard was the author of Conan, uh, was a contemporary of H.P. Lovecraft. And uh, Cull was sort of the, the first fantasy character he wrote. So I was I started reading those the other day. And what am I watching? You know, I haven't had the brain space for movies lately. I've just been so tired from actual work. Um, I started watching a show on Netflix that my kids had recommended a couple of years ago called Hilda, which I'm really enjoying. It's 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 not horror at all. It's, it's, I think it's rated Y7. So it's definitely, you know, geared toward kids, but I'm loving it. It's about a little blue haired kid from the country uh, who comes to the city of Trollberg and meets, makes friends with elves and trolls and all the weird supernatural creatures that live in the sewer. And um, it's fun. It's, it's, I, I, if you ever watched the show Gravity Falls, it's, uh, mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of that in a little way, that it's definitely geared to kids, but adults can can really enjoy it too. 
So that's what I've been doing. One of these, um, well, we'll have to add that to the list of potential boot tubes, but also Gravity Falls has long been on the list for a potential boot tube for Patreon. I love that show. Yes. I've not seen it either of them. Oh, it's it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think that entire series I've watched maybe three or four times with my kids, and yeah, uh, yeah it, it's a it's a good time. Well, it's okay if you don't have any new ones, and we'll just skip it. But as we always ask our guests, do you have any real life church horror stories? Since you've been on the podcast like five sometimes, you're probably <laughs> reaching the bottom of the barrel there. For does the new stories ever end? Well, yes. no, it's <laughs> fair. You know, I feel like if maybe back when we did the Halloween show, like actually Halloween ends, not the Halloween mm-hmm. show, but Halloween ends almost a year ago. I, I mentioned that I was on my church's governing board and we were dealing with stuff and it's been a year and a half and I feel like we're still dealing with the same stuff and the same complainers <laughs> and grousers. And so it it's not really so much a church horror story as a, a church ongoing saga, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't really want to dwell on that. It's it's almost Christmas, and I'm just going to think happy thoughts this week. Happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. Well, um, we're, the other question we're going to be asking all of our guests during the Star Wars season, um, and also we'll ask the question for aliens, too. Um, but what was the first time or your first memory of watching Star Wars, your first exposure to the franchise? Is that for me or for Emily? That's for Emily's you. Emily's probably already, already probably already done that. Oh my gosh, I have actually like very specific early memories of Star Wars. Now I'll, I'll back it up a second, and uh, and and the props going to come into play here in a minute. Um, so I'm I, I'm I'm Gen X. You know, I'm older Gen X. I, I was of the age when Star Wars was the thing, right? You know, I remember being about six years old and a fantasy nut you know i was uh, grew up reading fairy tales and, and fun stuff you know just interesting weird stuff loving monsters i was totally into ray harryhausen movies i just read the hobbit for the first time this was this was second grade this was all kind of rolling together i was 1977 76 was a very good year for me i kind of peaked them <laughs> <laughs> So much truth in and, that statement for so many of us. Right? <laughs> and so I just read The Hobbit, which spurred me on to reading um, uh, Le Guin's Earthsea books. And like anything that smacked of fantasy, I, I was there, whatever. You know, even stuff I like, I, I was clearly too young to read or, or couldn't quite get it, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I see a poster in the, um, uh, the, the, what do you call it? The, the, for you the lobby for our local neighborhood movie theater for this upcoming film called wizards by ralph Bakshi. right it's an animated film post-apocalyptic fantasy it turns out but all i saw was wizards wizards that sounds i don't know what that's about but it says wizards on it and there's a weird monster i'm dragging my dad like my i made my dad take me to see this movie and the movie was fine i've, I've gone back and watched it many times over the years ralph Bakshi was kind of a, a visionary in many ways for animation but my memory and this week circling back to the point <laughs> the, the main thing I remember is the trailers and seeing that first trailer for Star Wars. And all I knew was it was space stuff and there was a wolfman in it, right? <laughs> I, I, mean, <laughs> I didn't know. 
Chewbacca is there. I don't know what the hell a Chewbacca is or a Wookiee. Yeah. They didn't even say. Just like one shot of him making this Wookiee noise or whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And, the, and I was totally into the Wolfman. It was my favorite monster at the time. Like, it's, it's a Wolfman in a space movie. I have to see this damn thing, right? <laughs> so, so it's coming out. And we're starting to see more trailers and ad spots for it. And I'm getting so excited. It's coming May 25th, 1977. You know, can't get there soon enough. Now, this is... Uh, so I'm getting totally into it. Really want to see this movie. Now, I grew up in Berkeley. That says a lot right there in the <laughs> 70s. My parents both worked for the university, and they were you know, very academic, ac- academically-minded people. They decided um, when they found out there was a book, a novelization of Star Wars, that they wouldn't take me to see the movie until I finished re- <laughs> reading the book. It made me read the damn book first, right? Oh, wow. <clears throat> so... I didn't actually get to see Star Wars. I think they finally took me for my birthday in August. But, and here's my prop, right? I still have that copy of the Star Wars novelization by George Lucas. Actually, Alan Dean Foster, we found out Ghost read it, or or Ghost wrote it. So I I read this thing probably, you know, a a bunch and had little pictures. You kind of imagine, you know, and for those of you who are, you know, listening and not watching this, I'm showing off this book here with the pictures, but you can go on ebay and find a copy of that so but the book was written based on the movie right? based on the screenplay right so there's there's actually like subtle differences you know between when the book was sent to press and when the movie finally actually was released to theaters a few things changed here and there um yeah. the whole scene i'm sure everyone knows about it with luke and biggs you know when uh, they have their conversation and biggs is going to jump ship and, and go join the academy that's actually in the novel um, and there's a whole different prelude talking about Emperor Palpatine and all this stuff. So it's it's kind of interesting. Um, but anyway, so those are my my long rambling first thoughts about <laughs> Star Wars. And then I finally saw the movie and it blew my mind. And I, I think I went back and saw it six times that summer or something. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. I also, I just think it's hilarious the like, you have to read the book before the movie, even though the book was based on the screenplay for the movie. Like, right, right. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, that's funny. Berkeley in the 70s. What can I tell you? It was a whole different world, anyways. <laughs> Indeed. And then my next question is you have worked for Lucasfilm briefly in the 90s. What was that like? How did that happen? Tell me all the things. And I know you're you were doing a little bit of work for the special editions or something like that, if I remember right. correctly. So, right. So, so I, I guess that love of Star Wars and movies and whatnot, you know, carried with me for a long time. At, at least we're we're I think we're fast forwarding to ninety three here, so at least fifteen years, right? So I, I uh, went to college. I got a, a degree in film from San Francisco State. Um, and while I was there, I started hearing about the, the ILM or the Lucasfilm internship program, which was something that anybody could do. Um, well, it was actually really hard to get into, uh, so not anybody could do it. Um, <laughs> but I sort of focused my, my studies on doing that in my final semester. I figured it was a crapshoot. Hardly any, I, mean, I didn't know anybody at, at school who had actually managed to get the internship. Um, but I, I worked towards doing that in my last year um, to the point where I, I freed up my whole schedule. So I only had like three classes my final semester. Um, so that if I, you know, if I got the internship, I could spend as much time doing that as possible. And I did. I was, I was fortunate enough to actually get the thing. Um, 
kind of at the last minute. And so, yeah, it was my last semester of college. I was, I was probably spending, I don't know, 20, 25 hours a week at Lucasfilm uh, at, at ILM in their, their Marin County, you know, effects lab. Um, and it just happened that I was there when they were starting to do uh, what they called at the time, the special edition of Star Wars. Now it's just Star Wars, a new hope episode four or whatever, um, where they were taking, uh, oh gosh, how do I describe? You know, it's, uh, they were fixing stuff, you know, Lucas, uh, special effects is technology that, had come a long way. Is that when they changed the story so that Han did not shoot first? Oh gosh, let's see. Uh, in this, originally, he shot first. Yes, in the special edition, he didn't shoot first. Greedo shot him first, and now I don't know. Like they shoot each other and then go the out for drinks or something. I, it keeps changing. <laughs> it's completely weird. Um, so maybe they didn't fix that part, but they fixed a lot of other things. They, they, they I mean, Lucas thought they fixed stuff anyway. Um, they added the job of the hut scene, which they had recorded, you know, back in the in the olden days, and just didn't get in. Um, and I do have actually, there's a, there's a funny anecdote about that so when uh when this was all going on they were the, the reason they were doing the special edition is because lucas was shooting forward about six seven years thinking it's about time to do some new star wars right he was starting to think about the prequel trilogy and so they were beginning this whole reminding everyone about star wars ramp up and the special editions were sort of the beginning of that and then there was going to be uh, some new novels and video games and stuff to tie in. And they did this thing um, called the Star Wars Summit, where they brought people uh, who had Star Wars licenses, game publishers, toy manufacturers, where they all came to, to ILM, or Lucas, Lucasfilm, um, and had a whole weekend where Lucas laid out the plan about, this is what we're planning on doing for the next few years until episode one comes out. Um, and as part of this, they had... Uh, like a, a cocktail party at the end of the summit, right? Where people would all get together and get to hang out and, and talk about how great George Lucas is. <laughs> and, um, and they decided to take over one of the sound stages at uh, Skywalker Ranch and basically dress it up with props from the Mos Eisley Cantina. So have this cocktail party set in like the cantina, nice. right? Yeah. And then I don't know how all this came together, but um, they got a bunch of us and like random people fitted us for costumes and had us hang out in in star wars outfits right and so they <laughs> they took my measurements and the guy said man you know we were going to have you be boba fett but you're too tall you're like i was like an inch too tall to fit in the boba fett costume I'm like oh man that really sucked so they um they put me in i think i was wearing like the skiff guard costume from from jedi and then oh. actually the, the actual trench coat that harrison ford wore had a tag on it that said harrison right the Harrison Ford's uh, um, uh, commando trench coat from Jedi from the, the Endor scenes. I'm like, oh, that was pretty cool. So I got to wander around. I actually lost my voice. I was I had like laryngitis or something. So I, I created these little slips of paper, which was like rebel propaganda. And I would kind of sneak them by people and you know, tuck them under their cocktail napkins and stuff. And that, that became pretty funny. Um, so then internship ends everyone shakes hands i leave and i discover a few months later that when they were redoing that job of the hut scene in the special edition they wanted to put boba fett into it and they had already found a guy who they knew fit the boba fett costume he was working in uh in the computer games division lucas arts mm -hmm. like hey fred come over here and, and put this costume on and go walk that way and, and look and, and and they did that so then so that guy right if i had been an inch shorter that guy could have been me. 
because they would have known right. that I took the costume. So that was the, one of my great disappointments in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. No, the, the internship was a lot of fun. You know, I got to, uh, my job specifically was to find all the original negative shots they were trying to change. I had this giant warehouse full of stuff and I had to go through and find the original pieces of negative so they could fix them up and update them and hand them off to the editors so they could do the actual work. So that was fun. Nice. That sounds really cool. I, yeah. I mean, it sounds really cool in the like Star Wars nerdy way. And also they're like, it sounds like an internship <laughs> in the <laughs> other right. way. <laughs> right. Here, do this menial task, but you know, it's on, it's a, it's a menial Star Wars task. So at least I got a story out of it later, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's, that's, that's the goal. <laughs> nice. That's awesome um, though. Yeah. Well, I guess, well, awkwardly transition, because that's what we do here, <laughs> to um, the what the subject of today, which is Star Wars Holiday Special, directed by Steve Binder, released November 17th, 1978, on November 17th, 1978, and then never officially released again, ever. <laughs> um, and... 1978 was the year that the first Halloween film by John Carpenter came out, which you can hear us talk about for season one of the podcast. So it was it's our very first episode. If you go onto our feed, because um, so the episode that came out before that is now exclusive to Patreon supporters. <laughs> um, also, Superman the movie came out that year. The animated Lord of the Rings came out, which is still a fun movie. I adore it. Absolutely. Um, the Omen two. Jaws 2 and Grease all came out in 1978. I've seen Grease. Yay, you seen I, one of them. <laughs> um, I, I would like I would like to point out just to clarify Pace you, you mentioned that this this I, I can't really even call it a show or a film or this thing was released on November 17th, 1978 and I would like to point out that this was released on November 17th, 1978 on purpose. Like someone actually decided this was a good idea. Yes. Okay. Now, <laughs> now back to you. So, um, when was the first time you seen that? Did you actually happen to catch this when it was airing on CBS, Ben? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, we were so excited. You know, we didn't have a VCR again because I'm old, right? We didn't have a VCR. We didn't have the internet. You know, we it was the '70s. We were bored. Anything that would like look like it would be interesting. You know, we, we we had to watch it. And this was, oh my God, Star Wars. You know, we had just seen Star Wars, what, summer of 1977. So we're now shooting forward almost you know, a year and a half and all, we were desperate for more Star Wars stuff. Um, I was reading all the books, which maybe there was like two of them at that point, probably, you know, Star Wars and Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Um, I was reading the comic books, anything I get my hands. I actually, I remember as a kid, I bought like the screenplay to Star Wars. I would just read it over and over again. You didn't have a VCR. You couldn't go back to the movies. It wasn't showing, read the script, whatever. Mm -hmm. And oh my God. And this new Star Wars thing is coming out and we were, we were waiting for it. We were so excited. And, and again, you're sitting around the TV, November 17th, whatever time it was, you know, 1978. And <laughs> And you're watching it. And I remember, like, this is a long time ago, but I still remember this palpable feeling of disappointment growing, you know, the further we got into it. You know, even like, I'm, I'm trying to convince myself, but it's still Star Wars. It still could be good. But 
maybe after maybe after this ad, maybe the next segment will, <laughs> will be good. And and then there's like a brief moment of completely not terribleness when the uh, the Boba Fett cartoon comes out. I know it's the they have a name for it, some like the helpful Wookiee companion yeah, or something. The but faithful Wookiee, we, I think. You know, that's the one. I still just think of it as the Boba Fett part. You know, that was the yeah. good part. I haven't seen that because I forgot to watch it last night. Uh, yeah, because I ran out of the Oops. version we watch. So, if you're listening at home and want to know where you can watch this abysmal thing, first don't. But if you really insist <laughs> or are completionist, you can find it on the internet. Like it's on YouTube and stuff. But, uh because of copyright infringement um if you find it on the internet you can buy like dvd bootlegs and blu-ray bootlegs which will have the whole thing on it and stuff but the ones you can find on the internet to avoid copyright cut out the star wars theme at the end so it's just like quiet for a while and they also cut out the only good part which is the boba fett cartoon because that's now on disney plus so they would get flagged for copyright right. if that was um, on it so which is but, funny that they wouldn't get flagged for copyright for any of the rest of it right because nobody really wants to take the blame right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so take your drink for emily because First time, the right? First time I watched it was like a week ago when Pace and I watched it the first time together. And then I watched it again last night and was awake for the whole thing. Yeah. And subjected friend of the podcast, River, who is visiting, uh, to it as well. She was very gracious about it. Yeah. <laughs> we were uh, in a group chat and I think by the end of it, River and I were both lamenting that we were nowhere near high enough to have sat through that. Um, I have a phrase I use sometimes talking about a, a 3B movie, you know, three beers and it's a good movie. And I, I really don't know how many it would take. You know, I, I think by the time I had hit like more than three, you know, alcohol positivity on this film, I would probably be falling asleep. So yeah, I may, I may as well just go to sleep at that point. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I watched this for the first time probably in college, like a bootleg VHS that some, like, have you ever seen the holiday special? And of course, by that point, it was like, it, especially in the, like, the early days of the internet, which I would say from like very early 90s through early 2000s, that like first decade of it starting to become a thing, just like the online forums and rumor mill of the internet thing. And so, like, me being a Star Wars film, like, had researched so much about the Star Wars Holiday Special because it's, like, this holy grail thing you can't find anywhere because it's never been officially released. So everyone's like, what is this cool thing we need to, like... So, like, finally in college, I had a friend who just happened to have a VHS bootleg. And I was like, you want to watch it? I was like, yes! I watched it. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why it's been... There's an attempt to erase it from the face of the planet. Um so a little bit of a disappointment there, but I must have watched it like two or three times over my life until this past month when I watched it twice for this. So. And, and now we've watched it and we're doing a podcast episode on it, so we don't need to do it again. Right? Just like the two Ewoks holiday specials, which you've already recorded and you can find on Patreon shortly. 
So. I was going to mention, I mean, Lucasfilm even put even put out the Ewok movies on, on VHS and DVD, you know, and, right. and they still wouldn't put out the holiday specials. So, I mean, <laughs> that says a lot. That makes sense to me, having seen all three ones. Like, yeah, that tracks. So, oh my gosh. I have a little bit of behind the scenes here for this one um, before we get into talking about it. But um, Star Wars, of course, as you heard Ben talk about, just this global phenomena after it, phenomenon after it was uh, initially released and hit theaters and stuff, and just so much desire for more content. Content, and I know like Kenner was producing toys and stuff like that. There are comic books. There are the two books you talked about, the novelization and Splinter in Mind's Eye, and I think the. Han Solo's Revenge came out a year after that, so like another year um, before that, like that book. Yeah. But um, so, but just this craving for more content, and so Star Wars characters had been appearing on various shows and character as promotion for the first film, like on late night shows and stuff like that. And apparently, this inspired CBS to approach George Lucas with doing a holiday special for their network. Um. And they were like, sure. Lucasfilm was initially involved. They helped draft an initial script. And Lucas himself was the one who came up with the idea of like trying to get Chewie home to celebrate Life Day. But due to their work on Empire Strikes Back, which would come out two years later, and they were like heavy in pre-production at this point, um, they basically like like did some initial work on it, then handed the reins to CBS and let CBS run with it and keep out of the development of it and if you listen to our ewok special episode which will come out um i think february or something like that on patreon you can hear some more about that for our horror buffs yes horror buffs um the ten dollar patreon level um but you can learn some of the lessons that they had mainly george lucas realizing Um, I need to have a little bit tighter control on Star Wars because I can't just let other people take it and run with it because it did not turn out well. Um, It was poorly received. It was only broadcast once, never rebroadcast, never received an official release, um, with the exception of the Faithful Wookiee anime segment, which you can find on Disney Plus under the Star Wars, was it... um, Retro, vintage, vintage, yeah, the Star Wars vintage nomiker. Um, There's also the legend about Luke's face after the accident he was in. He was in a car accident. Um, And so he was still healing from that accident when this was filmed, which is one of the reasons why he has such a small part, even though he was the main character of the first film. Um, And even in the really, like, jaunted ass version we were watching super pixelated and stuff like you can tell like his face does not look natural the amount of makeup and stuff they put to cover like the reconstructive surgery and stuff he had um and that's also the legend behind why he got hit by the wampa in episode five empire strikes back was to give a reason for why his face might look a little bit different in empire strikes back um and then also, the Boba Fett segment seems to be the only one that anybody likes still, um, the Faithful Wookiee segment, and it inspired a rocket launching toy that Kenner produced, um, but never actually released. So it's like this holy grail toy where there's only so many of these toys that were prototypes or, or um, initial run that were made. And so 
if you go and watch, what is that show on Netflix? The Toys That Made Us. They have this whole segment on the Boba Fett rocket firing toy that was supposed to come out and then never did because of safety reasons. But it was inspired by this as well. Also, this is the first time James Earl Jones is credited as the voice of Darth Vader. He was not credited in A New Hope, or at that point, Star Wars, as it was only called. Which is rude. (laughs) Right? I mean, also, you know, unsurprising given who they are. Also, R2-D2 as R2-D2. Yeah, crediting R2-D2 as R2-D2. Kind of cute. Like, I like it, and also... I'm not sure about it. And also, that means that when C-3PO lies about them not being alive, he's really lying about R2-D2. If R2-D2 is playing R2-D2 in the show, then clearly <laughs> R2-D2 is alive to be acting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Logic. Well, I, I do wonder now that I'm thinking about it. I have no idea. I wonder maybe if Kenny Baker was even in the suit at that point. Maybe he yeah. maybe he was like the one smart one who refused to be in it. I was just thinking <laughs> that too. Like maybe they Screw just you guys. Had, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, yeah. That's that's also what I was wondering. It's like, uh, that's weird. Um, maybe also, Kenny Baker was busy doing uh, uh, time bandits at that point or something. Who knows? It's possible. Um, also, all of the sponsors and ads and stuff. I was like. Oh, those I remember those days, which are unfortunately coming back to haunt us with, you know, capitalism version ninety million point five six. Yay. Yeah. Um yeah. Any other background behind the scenes that y'all know about? I don't. Yeah, the only thing I can really think of, um, you know, Pace, you were talking about how Lucasfilm was really deep into working on Empire at that point. Um, I remember I read the the biography of George Lucas, Skywalking, years ago, and that was pretty current as of up to about the late 80s, early 90s. And one of the things they talked about was right about that time, 78 or so. Um, so Lucas had done the original Star Wars very much in tandem with 20th Century Fox, right? They They paid the budget, you know, and he... I think gave up his directing fee in order to keep the merchandising uh, revenue, which was uh, nobody had ever seen that before. And that was a genius move on his part. When they did empire, he was trying to fund the whole thing himself. You know, he was not getting any money from outside sources. He was taking his entire star Wars pot and throwing it into empire. And so I remember reading in that book, how completely stressed running on fumes he was. And there's actually, there's a kind of a feud began between him and Francis Ford Coppola, because Coppola was trying to get Lucas to give him some money to make a movie. Hey, fund my whatever, you know, I don't know how Peggy Sue got married or something weird. And uh, and Lucas is like, you know, sorry, I, I got no money. You know, sorry, go away. <laughs> you know? And um, Come back and, and they, yeah, basically, you know, and they had been friends for so long. Coppola was sort of a mentor to Lucas at the beginning of his career. That kind of was a schism until later when he realized that, that the reason Lucas said he didn't have any money when he was sitting on that big pot of Star Wars money was because he was trying to do Empire on his own. Um, and all his money was going into that. And so I can see that basically at some point someone comes along and says, hey, we'll give you we'll give you 10 bucks if you let us make this holiday special. Lucas is like, 10 bucks? Sure. That'll feed like five guys at craft services. Great. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> do whatever yep. you want. 
You put B. Arthur and Harvey Corman in Star Wars costumes. Awesome. Sounds great. Give me 10 bucks. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's my thought on it. Yeah. Like no, it. that's good. I, like, I was not alive at that time. So I have no information about it. Um, but <laughs> it's cool to like figure out like my intro to Star Wars. We had the VHS, the original trilogy on VHS um, at our house. And I remember going to one of the prequel movies with my dad and talking about when he went to the original series in theaters. Nice. Um, but yeah. It's fun to hear like other people's experiences who actually like were alive and into Star Wars at the time. Right. So, but, yeah. Interesting time. Indeed. Speaking of one sentence summaries, what exactly did we just watch? <laughs> um, mine is Life Day involves candles and requires family. Yay. That's, that's what I got out of it. Pace? Don't. Just don't. That's my <laughs> one sentence summary. <laughs> and I would summarize this as I'm sure it seemed like a good idea to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That 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 about sums it up, I think. Um, yeah. Um, I should probably also mention, you know, we started talking about this, Pace and Emily asked me to, to watch the movie. And I refused, and uh, <laughs> and and the reason for that is because excuse me, you know, I did see it when it first came out, like Pace. I think I watched it again in the '90s, and I just watched it a few years ago when my kids were little, because um, they really wanted to watch it, and I thought it would be funny to to make them watch it. And and I've decided that uh, about every twenty years is enough for me, and so I, I I think I'm about five or six years out from from wanting to watch it again. That's fair. <laughs> more than fair yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't blame so. you <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well I guess getting into it I can start off by saying the music is so bad there's like a few I mean they're trying to do like a Christmas variety show I think is like what the hope is but a Star Wars version of it it's not great um, Ian Frazier took the John Williams Star Wars theme and like repurposed it uh, to make the score. And then Ken Welch and Mitzi Welch did the songs. We hear a few songs that are sung that just randomly happen and are not good songs. The music is really not good. And that's one of the sad things. Even like... I know the music is not good. <laughs> that's when you know it's bad is when I'm like, um. But I, I think part of it, though, is just, you know, John Williams at the beginning of his career and stuff, but still like just writing such iconic score for the first Star Wars movie that really made was part of the magic of that movie. And then you hire somebody else to try to replicate that. And it's just not going to be as good, especially when you try to turn it into like holiday, some holiday jingles singing about like Bay Arthur song about like goodbye, but not forever or whatever her weird song she was singing in the cantina was. (laughs) Oh my, <laughs> oh my god, that that, that horrible Casablanca thing <laughs> for John I Williams. I couldn't even figure out what was going on on that one. I was like, "Wait, is this on TV?" 
is this in I thought it was in real life, but then I thought it was on TV and I could not Yeah. Could so not tell. The framing narrative, uh, for those of you who don't want to watch this, good for you, don't. But the framing <laughs> narrative is basically Han Solo and Chewbacca are trying to get home so Chewie can spend it with his family for life day. They get into some like Imperial entanglements and get delayed. So while they're waiting for him to come come home his son itchy no itchy is <laughs> itchy's the grandpa i think lumpy and she's the, the grandpa lumpy is a son okay lumpy his son lumpy <laughs> is watching tv and like legit just this my reference in the beginning when i said i'm the set designer who thought i was okay to just put a tv in there like just an actual tv not a view screen or anything just flipping through channels and comes across some random things one of which being bay arthur singing another one is the animated segment about um the the boba fett introduction animated oh, segment so so there are some like tv pieces segments that just random like a cooking show segment that um mala who is chewy's wife watches as she's trying to cook for life day and stuff like that it's just really no interesting concept <laughs> yeah and how come the mom doesn't get a stupid name? Right? Chewy, itch, chewy, itchy, and lumpy, and then Mala. Shouldn't she be like, I don't know, stinky or greasy or something? I mean, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I think my favorite of the, like, skit, like, the short things on the TV was the cooking one, though. Because it reminded me of the camp skit that we used to do where like one person is there and puts their hands behind their back and the and there's another person behind them who puts their arms through and then they try to like have a date or do or put on makeup or get ready for the day or whatever and you have like somebody who can't see being the hands for the person whose head can see and that's I was like this is like that but like leveled up because now you got like your own and another one. Mm-hmm. Swedish chef in it. Yeah. For the Muppets. Yeah. It's true because the Swedish chef is actually, real quick, the Swedish chef um, in the Muppets is actually done, was originally done by Jim Henson and Frank Oz. So Frank Oz right. was the hands and Jim Henson was the head. And so had to like risk, it was improv acting, right? Like whatever the hands mm-hmm. did, the chef's head right. had to like. And, and words had to like follow and, and let's also point out for those those people who were smart enough not to watch this uh you know who don't know the first i think it's like the first 15 minutes of this damn thing are all in wookie the dialogue is all grunts and honks and hoots and you can kind of infer what's going on but it's basically you know That's the mom good. is is preparing for her absentee husband to come home for life day you know for the first time in whatever and trying to get Lumpy to do the chores or something, and he wants to watch TV, and who knows? No one in the house is helping, right? Lumpy is watching TV. Grandpa's watching porn in the other room, right? Let's just let's just cut to the chase. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and all of this is is in what Shirawook is the name of the Wookie language, right? So all of this is done in the Wookie, and and oh, it's just so terrible. Well, and like. Part of me is like, okay, how did they actually decide on the Wookiee language? Because 
is it really you just make whatever sounds you want with the intonation that is acceptable? Because then that's pretty handy because any Wookiee doesn't really have to memorize lines. They just have to know <laughs> what they are doing and have like some sense of like who they're communicating, like when they communicate and who they communicate with. And that seems like an, both an easier and a harder way of acting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I know there's some, you can find them online, some cuts uh, from some of the Star Wars films. The one I remember is from Empire, where they had actually scripted dialogue for Chewbacca. Like when Chewbacca was talking to Han Solo, you can hear Peter, Peter Mayhew, oh, I can't find the hydro compressor and the thing, you know, whatever. He's actually talking and they're having a conversation. And then, um, at least in Empire and the other ones, the, the good Star Wars, uh, <laughs> they had then sent this off to, I guess it was Ben Burt was the sound designer, um, to create the Wookiee language, which uh, I remember hearing was a combination of sounds from um, a Kodiak bear, a Komodo dragon, and a, a, I think a dog or something. So they kind of blended all that together. So when they're acting, they're actually saying stuff and, and having you know actual dialogue happening and then it's the sound designer's job to then make up this wookie stuff uh and so i'm assuming that's what they did in the holiday special as well but i I just remember yeah no it's really interesting sound design is a whole super fascinating field but i just remember watching this damn thing i'm gonna keep calling it this damn thing right (laughs) watching this thing do it And, and you keep like you know waiting to understand what the hell is happening like maybe maybe someone who speaks basic will show up in the next few minutes and start talking we we know no it's just it keeps going in wookie for it's at least the first 15 minutes if it's not 15 minutes it sure as hell felt like 15 minutes <laughs> at least i mean there's easily more than 15 minutes of just wookie of just shriwook right so, yeah yeah it's it was yeah i that i think is part of why i fell asleep the first time was that it was just wookie wookies talking to each other and yeah like, not even like subtitled so you don't even really know what they're saying it's just right they're just kind of grunting around although i would be interested to see like the subtitles that they would come up with i'm always disappointed by subtitles whenever there's more than one language because usually whatever language is the second language instead of actually putting it in with that language in that language they just put speaking foreign language or speaking this <laughs> language and i'm like no Unhelpful. like it's not that hard right <laughs> to get you yes you have to pay a little bit more because you need a person who speaks that language to do those particular lines but they're in the script anyway Right. But to write out Wookiee, I don't know. I don't know if they have the same alphabet or not. Yeah, that gets me to something that I forgot to put in the notes, but something that just kind of shows the evolution of the Star Wars world is the amount of English language that text that appears in the special like they're watching tv and it'll just say you know there's like a loading screen it said loading just like in english text um roman letters and so this was before the development of arabesh which is the fictional writing alphabet of the basic star wars universe basic language and so um and if you go back so part of the thing one of the things the special edition fixed was removing a lot of the english 
language from A New Hope to make it in line with Empire Strikes Back and the ones that came after, after they had developed Arabesh. But if you go back to like the original theatrical version, you can see like um, some, some English language here and there in the thing. And like on the console of the Death Star, there, like there's labels for what the, some of the buttons do and stuff like that in English. So <laughs> blow up planet, <laughs> right? <laughs> blow up planet. Big red button right here. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> um, I, I do want to mention the faithful Wookiee. I, I will say, if you have time, you can watch it. It's not that bad. And the animation style is bonkers. I particularly like the animation style for Han Solo. He just looks so weird. It's like a caricature more than an actual like yeah. cartoon version. But Boba Fett, like, I have no idea how Luke or any of them thought Boba Fett was a good guy. Basically, the thing is, they team up with Boba Fett to find Han Solo, but of course, Boba Fett is secretly working for Darth Vader. And um, how they thought Boba Fett was the good guy, because he is like the biggest jerk from the beginning. (laughs) Like, he's abusing the animal he's riding in on. He's like talking back to Luke. It's just... It's also funny to think back how how much they were pushing the Boba Fett. You know, this this was the segment that we're, we're going to introduce this brand new character who's going to be a big part in the next movie. And, and you mentioned that action figure. You know, I remember buying the toys as a kid and, and you had to save these little proof of purchase coupons. And when you saved up enough of them, you would send them in and get a free Boba Fett action figure. And, Boba, and they really presented Boba Fett like he was going to be this big thing. And then he has like what two lines of dialogue in Empire, and then dies in Return of the Jedi, you know, anonymously. <laughs> and it, it wasn't until like forty years later when like, oh fuck it, let's just give him a show, you know. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. people still loved him. You know, he was still mm-hmm. like this fan favorite character, despite the fact that he never did anything. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I, weird. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of weird things, that Life Day celebration, huh? (laughs) (sighs) Um. Yeah. Uh, I. That was almost a good transition. I almost had it. (laughs) It I like. I like the part. I like the part when Princess Leia showed up to this this planet and completely, you know takes over this indigenous celebration and just decides to sing the life day song it it, it kind of it's like a kanye west taylor swift moment <laughs> right come on leg get it get out of here this is not about you right but like also agreed and also there's like <laughs> plus a, a, so first off why are there words in galactic basic to this song that makes no sense but also, like, the way that they crashed it was, like, ever so slightly not the worst. <laughs> right? So, like, they come and they crash it. And C-3PO is weird. And then Leia <laughs> just sings the song that's not the song. That's, like, not the actual song. But there's this moment where she says, this is not our day. This is your day to celebrate and honor life and whatever. 
and we can wish those things with you. And I really liked that part because I think especially right now, there are so many Christians in particular who are trying to co-opt Judaism especially Mm. and say, we're going to light the menorah. We're going to blow on a shofar. Like, and it's like, no, this is your day. These are your traditions. And we can like hold those values with you and respect your traditions without making them our own. The part where it falls short, right, is that Leia takes the song and that sort of thing. Where it's like, <laughs> eh, follow through right. on your words a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, it did feel like churchy. I was like, look, they've got candles, processional. They've got yep. fancy albs and just like fancy word for robes that you wear uh-huh. and a liturgy that I don't know because I don't speak Shriwa. Let's take yeah. a candlelit Christmas Eve service and water it down so it can still kind of work in the Star Wars universe without <laughs> offending anybody who may not be Christian. Right. We'll replace Silent Night with Leia singing. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my least favorite part about the Life Days, like the life day celebration specifically was when c3po was like hello we bring greetings and r2d2 and i are just so ever so disappointed that we are not alive to be able to celebrate life day with you and i was like and then r2d2 pipes up and i expected r2d2 to be like speak for yourself i'm plenty Mm -hmm. alive but he did not well he know of yeah yeah c3po did not I don't Again, understand binary, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, On this podcast, yes, you believe that droids have the for- can have the force and go um, to heaven. All droids go to heaven. Yeah, <laughs> expect a merch shirt soon. As soon as I finish, I did a rough draft of it. I just need yeah. to like color it in, so it'll be a merch shirt amazing. to go with it. But yeah, that line comes from our. Uh, Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view episode, which is in a weird twist of fate, is going to drop after this, even though we (laughs) was originally recorded before and it's going to come out before. On New Year's or something. Maybe. We'll see. Whenever it pays us time to edit it. Yeah. That's like a two and a half hour long episode, though. It's going to take a while. That's because it's so good. Emily and I talk too much. Define too much. It's kind of the job of the podcast. Yes, fair. Yeah, I haven't I haven't read that book yet, but I'd love to. I got to get those point of view books one of these days. Yeah, they are so good. I love them. Um, I I recently kind of kind of tangent uh, started getting into the current canon of Star Wars novels. Mm. I've been been kind of reading them haphazardly, picking them up here and there, and I've actually been surprised at how good all of them are you know i i haven't i've only read i should say only i've read like a dozen of them at this point mm. and i haven't hit a bad one yet i read the the chuck wendig's aftermath trilogy i thought was a lot of mm. fun um lords of the sith which is a story about uh vader and palpatine having crash landed on a planet somewhere off in the middle of nowhere i wasn't expecting to like because i wasn't really into the idea of a star wars book from the perspective of the bad guys um, 
but it wasn't really from their perspective. It just kind of kept cutting to them. And it had like this, uh, I don't know, a smuggler from Ryloth, like working for the rebels. It was his main story. Um, and when Vader came out, holy crap, the, the first scene, have you read this one, either of you? I did, the first yeah. chapter, that, that opening scene when Vader, uh, gosh, what, like he, he boards a ship with his, his bad, you know, super stormtroopers or whatever, and you're only hearing it from people listening into the, the distress call, like screaming and yelling, and it's like, Jason Voorhees level of carnage when Vader comes onto the ship. It's it's actually kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but so those those certain point of view books, those are on my list. And I'll get to them at one of these days. Uh, I so. I really like them precisely because they are not the main characters, and so you get like, right. and, and they and they're actually like really creative with some of who they're whose point of views they're yeah. going from, which is awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yep. In the old canon, or not really the canon, I guess they call it the extended universe now, there was a, a series of anthologies, the Tales From, um, mm. which were a lot like that. Tales from the Masaizi Cantina, from Cloud City, and Jabba's Palace. And each one took mm. like that scene, the Masaizi Cantina scene, and focused on one background character and oh. everything that got them to that moment when Luke and Han showed up at at the thing it's like how some random guy intersected with the main story of star wars and those were a lot of fun Mm. yeah yeah there's all of those have at least one story um that's like that it doesn't do all the way back but sometimes it does and then sometimes it goes a little bit forward too Mm -hmm. nice my favorites my favorite stories are the ones that take the nameless creatures that just appear to be antagonists and gives them Mm -hmm. agency and story like the trash compactor monster in the first one gets a story and from a certain point of view and uh the sarlacc pit gets a story in return of the jedi just fun stuff like that yeah there are a bunch of animals on hoth or creatures on hoth that get it in empire yeah. Um, the so, other thing you know, I tune yeah. in for that episode to hear. Tune more. in, yeah, <laughs> or and go back to listen to our a new hope one that's already mm-hmm. out, and our episode where we interview Claudia Gray, which is really fun having that's a yeah. bona fide Star Wars canon author on the pod. Um, oh, she was she wrote um, Bloodlines, the Princess Leia novel, yep. which I just read a few weeks ago and absolutely loved. That was great. Go yeah. Claudia. I don't know who I haven't met you, but I'm sure you're awesome and your book was awesome. If you're listening she to She really is awesome. She was, was she was so really awesome. fun to have on the podcast. Yeah. Um I my favorite book of her Bloodlines is fantastic, but I love her Master and Apprentice book. So if you haven't read that one yet, then I recommend that one. It tells the story of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's relationship before the events of Phantom Menace. I did read that one. That was actually the first of the whole series. I didn't I've forgotten it was her, and I thought that was really. I love the the tension between the two that, yeah. that they created or she created. Same, same. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, uh, for um, deep theological discussion from this is how sex work exists in the Star Wars universe, and we mm-hmm. see Itchy, as Ben said, essentially watching porn, um, or like one of those. I I was thinking more like one of those like one eight hundred numbers that you would call in and yeah. 
have a fantasy sex workers uh, talk with you and stuff through. But I'm all for like, I'm pro sex workers, stuff like that. But given how capitalistic the Star Wars universe is and how slavery exists and stuff, it's like extra icky in that universe. Mm -hmm. And especially considering that this is the only black woman that has dialogue in the original trilogy and extended stuff if I remember correctly, and she's a sex worker who's just trying to help get itchy off, I guess, while instead of helping him prepare for life day. Right. But, like, not just that, right? Like, it is it is this fantasy of, of a Wookiee for a Black humanoid, probably human, person who's speaking basic galactic, and he's doing it all in the living room. Right. Go to the bathroom or something. You know, get get out of here, Grandpa. You creep. (laughs) And they call it the brain evaporator. (laughs) It's definitely evaporating something. Not sure if it's his brain. Yeah. Like I Uh liked the kaleidoscopy thing at the beginning, and then it got into that, and I was just like, I don't know about this. It kind of reminds me of somebody at one point I saw an interview. Someone asked me or asked Carrie Fisher uh, about her memories of the thing. And basically she said something in effect of, I was so fried on Coke when I was making that thing that I don't even remember shooting the thing. Yeah. And, That's uh, what Faye said when we were watching. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was and like, I mean, Luke is high on painkillers. Leia's high on Coke. Like half the cast is out for the count for this. Right. <laughs> Yeah. The other piece for me that was that I was I come up against a lot in the Star Wars universe, especially the like original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. Um, but the like Luke is such a stereotypical cishet white guy. Um, no offense. But no, no like the like bl- talking while talking to Mala blaming like he's like r2d2 is trying to get his attention because something's going wrong and he's like no 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 this is important never mind and then when he finally notices the thing going wrong he blames r2d2 for it and he's just like why didn't you and it's like why didn't you tell me that whatever you know my hydro spanner was (laughs) tell you yeah and then and then he also like tops it off by like telling a a legitimately worried family to calm down. All right. And I'm just like, and then we get the like traitor person and his like old white guyness where he's a terrible spy. <laughs> oh, that was uh, Art Carney, right? Yep. Yeah. And he's like the the shaggy carpet that was knitted by hand solo yeah hands alone you could almost say solo wink it's like oh my he's god like, get it got it and then, <laughs> and then he's like but did you really get it it's like <laughs> nudge nudge wink wink right yeah and that's that's one of the other things about this show 
that's sort of fascinating. I mean, so musical variety, that was a big thing back in the 70s, right? You, know, you had the Donnie and Marie show. The Muppets grew out of mm. the, the musical comedy. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence Welk, Johnny Cash had a musical variety show. I mean, everyone had a musical variety show. So marrying musical variety slash comedy, uh, sketch comedy slash Star Wars, it's, it's almost like this microcosm of everything pop culture in the 70s. You know, like the Jefferson Starship came on and sang a song or something. And how it turned into like a steak a la mode moment, right? Like take steak, take ice cream. They're pretty good by themselves, but when you stick it all together, it's terrible. Keep your ice cream off my steak. And then, you know, the last time I watched, one of the things that really struck me is you got Art Carney, you got Harvey Corman, you got B. Arthur. I mean, these are, these are comic geniuses. You know, and how how much work did they have to do to go out of their way to make all of them not funny at all? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, to make you feel like like cringe, as they say, uh, for Harvey Corman. It's like Harvey Corman, you know, he, he worked with Carol Burnett. You know, he's one of the funniest people who ever lived. And now you're just like, oh God, Harvey, stop. Don't pour that beer in your head. That's just oh, that's too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one like just made no sense to me. I was like, is, is he a robot? Is he what is going? It just yeah. And and for those who haven't seen it, there's a scene when Harvey Corman goes to the bar as an alien with a hole in the top of his head where he can drink, and it's it's about as funny as that sounds. Yeah, Bay Arthur literally just like takes a pitcher and just pours it in. I, I, I do think. I do think the traitor guy, like, the, his one redeeming quality, right, is that once the Empire arrives at the Chewbacca family home, at Mala's home, um, he does use his privilege and his power as a, like, humanoid, old, cisset white guy um, for good, right? Like, he buddies up to them to, like, distract them and make them leave the Wookiees alone or to like pretend like the one who died escaped right. ran away um and so like that was I was like okay at least like if you're gonna be such a stereotype which Luke always is but then like also this other guy at least you know that there is a thing that you can do with that privilege and that power that mm -hmm. helps and supports other people and the resistance in general. It's just like, okay, Yay. it's not bad. But yeah, it's, I mean, the whole, the whole Star Wars is a little bit of that. And I feel like it's kind of like we talk about the Bible being inspired by God, that it's like the amazing things are when the, when other stuff's like manages to make it through all of the like, sexism misogyny white supremacy all of that and then you get like this glimpse of like using your priv privilege for good or we can't sell it we like this day is not for us but we can share in your values for this day right like hey, yeah you know it'd be nice if c3po for example spoke shriwook instead of just instead of just it. basic yeah. yeah, like he understands I mean, all these languages, but does he communicate in them? No. Six million forms of communication, and he can't speak Shriwook. Rude. Or right. won't speak Shriwook. Who knows? Right? Yeah. yeah. You can understand it and translate it, but not speak it. 
I would probably be like Chewbacca, or not Chewbacca, I would probably be like Jabba the Hutt if it were me. And mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. would refuse. I mean, Wookiees can't speak galactic basic because of their vocal cords, according to lore. But I would be like, no, I am not going to learn galactic basic. You have to translate yeah. it for me. Completely. That's, That's uh... actually... It's, it's kind of a funny conceit of the Star Wars universe, right? That, but it's, it's kind of fascinating, too. If you think about how everyone speaks their own language, but everyone also understands everyone else's language, right? You know, Luke totally gets when R2-D2 speak in binary and Han Solo understands, you know, uh, Shri Wook. I think there's probably even some scenes when Chewbacca's talking to Luke and Luke understands what he's saying. I don't remember off the top of mm-hmm. my head. But yeah, sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't, I think. I guess it's the maybe the Star Wars universe education system is better than ours. <laughs> Everyone's poly, polylingual. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for some Force lore then? I only have a few things for that. Absolutely. Um, the lore I have from this is the introduction of two things. One, the big thing, um, me and Boba Fett is introduced in the special, as we talked about, and would go on I to become you were fan say favorite that character. Life Day was a big thing. That's rude. Life Day is it's a, a very big thing. important holiday, <laughs> but it is not. But it is not as big a thing in the Star Wars media until recently. There have suddenly there are Life Day references happening all over the place in Star Wars media, but for a while it was kind of forgotten about. Um, but to revive I, the holiday thing. I think that's what it is. There's... For Star Wars. They just always come out in December. Yeah, so they're trying to exactly tie it into real-life holiday and use Life Day. So there's like a Life Day cookbook, there's a Life Day short story anthology, and all sorts of stuff like that you can buy. Uh, Disney, of course, at their parks have Life Day celebrations around the holidays and stuff. So, And then the other thing is we get to see the Wookiee's homeworld, which in the special is just called Wookiee Homeworld. It gets the name Kashyyyk later on um, as the planet of the Wookiees. But I do like that the design remains fairly consistent. So when we finally see the live-action version of Kashyyyk in canon in Star Wars Episode Three. Um, Revenge of the Sith, it the planet and like the dwelling places and stuff look very similar to what they look like mm-hmm. in this um, TV special. And that was one of the things that George Lucas had specifically wanted the TV special was to show the Wookiee homeworld. So I, I think that was kind of something he had always hoped to get back into canon in a better way than the special was able to do. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was interesting the way that the house was was like designed and arranged because the in from a certain point of view empire strikes back there's an episode or there's a chapter that is a short story about a wookiee ship and it is made of wood and so i was like this is like fascinating to think about a wood ship that is still like airtight and stuff. Um, and that that doesn't feel like it fits with this depiction of the house. That like that's they seem like very divergent technologies. Mm. Um, but I like the idea of the ship one. So part of yeah. me is like, I want more of that. I want to actually see that ship. In the, that would be so cool. 
Star Wars High Republic in the Star Wars High Republic um, book series, there are a few Wookiee Jedi um, characters that are prominent in that, and they all have wooden lightsaber hilts um, oh, because nice. wood is a very important part of Wookiee culture. It connects them to their trees and to the Force, and I think we even see that in one of the is it a Clone Wars episode or no? It's some um, Bad Batch, I think, is the episode where they encounter a. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wookie Pad- former Padawan, because this is after the purge, the temple and stuff, who's like on, who's like trying to run away and stay out from the Empire, and they return him to Kashyyyk. And there's something in there about how like all Wookiees have some sort of connection to the Force through the trees. And so that's an interesting mm-hmm. piece of Well, Star you mentioned the, the look of the thing and how it stayed consistent. So I know that Ralph McQuarrie who was a Star Wars concept artist was hired for this thing uh, to paint and that, that painting of the, the forest and, and the Chewbacca house um, was a Macquarie matte painting. Um, uh, and, and I think this was kind of previewing a few years down the road. Lucas had originally intended in Jedi for Endor to be Kashyyyk. They were going to go back to the Wookiee home planet. The Ewoks were going to be Wookiees. But there was some kind of cost thing going on. I think it was too expensive to get guys in full Chewbacca outfits or something. Um, so they went with the uh, the Ewoks instead and shot it. Actually, just right up the road from here uh, up in, in Marin County somewhere, up at uh, yeah. the Redwoods. That makes sense. That yeah. makes a lot so. of sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah. From, from the outside, it looks right. It's just like, I mean, again, right? They threw a TV and stuff in and decided that coffee pot well yeah it looks all it looks all cool and star warsy from the outside then you go into the house and this looks like any crappy 70s apartment you know it looks like fake wood paneling (laughs) yeah i used to love watching the brady bunch (laughs) familiar with the living room but it does it's like this open space that like the entryway to the door opens right into it it doesn't have like the orange and yellow panels and stuff, but it, it, it's pretty much right there. All the wood paneling and such. That was so, so freaking 70s. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? Well, I guess we have come to our favorite part that all of you listening have been dying to hear. What are we going to actually rate this thing? And since this is our Star Wars season, we're still rating it out of Kyber crystals. So do you, how would you rate this? Out of 10 kyber crystals. No kyber crystals. None at all. (laughs) I I feel like I'm owed kyber crystals for having spent any time watching this. I like it. (laughs) Keep a running tally of how many times you watch it and that's how many kyber crystals you are rating. (laughs) That's fantastic. Face, what are you rating it? Um... Uh... Negative one. It costs you kyber crystals to watch it. It costs you force and life force to watch it. It robs you of it. It does rob you of your life force. It's true. It's true. And C-3PO lies about R2-D2. So I um, probably would rate it. This is hard. I had a number, but then y'all went so low that you're (laughs) (laughs) negative. I... um, in my in my like holiday movie rating, it got one snowflake on a scale of one to five. Um, this one, I will probably give it one 
kyber crystal only because it ha it stars wookies and they are cool as my shirt mm-hmm. will attest i like them and i like celebrating holidays i have a chewbacca shirt that says follow la la larg and he's covered in christmas lights <laughs> um i love that so i'm gonna give it one because it's a non-humanoid star cool and my like favorite it. kill is the one kill because the empire like, guy toss him over the edge yep I was gonna say my my favorite kill was the probably the brain cells that completely died while I was watching this movie. Same, <laughs> same for me. Um, I don't think I had any jump scares. Yeah, I would oh. be surprised if you did. Um, so Ben, where can our listeners find you if they want to follow your socials, see what projects you're working on, any books coming out, those things. Uh, well, you know, I have a very complicated and cleverly named website, uh, benmonroe.com. Uh, you can go there and see all, all the stuff that I'm up to and find links to my books and things. You know, I, I've stopped giving out my socials only because the whole social media feed is in such fl- field is in such flux right now. You can mm-hmm. find links to all my social media accounts on my website. But if I tell you I'm on, you know, whatever today, if you hear this a year down the road, that may be out of business, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, one of the sites that I used to be very, very uh, active on, uh, I just don't even go to anymore um, for a, a lot of obvious reasons. I'm not going to give them any airspace. Um, yeah. So benmonroe.com. And in fact, I do actually just have uh, a short story in a book that came out uh, just last week, actually, um, of, of uh, I guess I could hold it up, but it's not worth it. Uh, the book is called <laughs> Winding Paths. It's a whole collection of game-themed short stories. So if you are oh, yeah. a gamer of any kind, or if you like board games, video games, uh, my story was about a, a cursed board game because that's board games and RPGs are kind of more my thing than video games. But um, you can find that on Amazon or have your local bookstore order it for you because that's good too. Or bookshop.org. Did you or know bookshop. on bookshop.org you can designate which independent bookstore you are benefit your your purchases benefit uh-huh. i didn't realize it and it's not just in your account like you have to do it on on the home page it's like right there but because it's like so obviously right there i didn't notice it <laughs> <laughs> until i was at red emma's which is a local independent bookstore here in baltimore and they were like yeah or just order it off of bookshop.org because it was a book that they don't normally carry and i was like yeah i mean I do that sometimes, but I figured it was better here. And they were like, if you do it through bookshop.org, you can choose us. And until then, I like, it took me five minutes to find it. Because <laughs> I looked in all the wrong places. Yeah. But eventually and, I did. And, Yay. And then Red Emma gets the money and doesn't actually have to do any of the work of shipping and processing it. So even better, right? Yeah. 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 yeah no, it's a good deal. And we do... HNAC, it needs some massive updates, but we have a bookshop.org, which we will link in the show notes on um, whenever we reference books that you can click on. It'll take you to that and you can see the book and order it from there. Um, and I didn't know that. You did in the past, but you have since forgotten. It is okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have a 
what we have three lists on there and this tells you how long it's been like i update it as i edit it but like beyond that i don't do anything with it so um but there's uh paces recommended reads there's a joe former co-host of the podcast recommended reads and then there's a list of books referenced on episodes and that's the one i keep up to date with all the books we reference um so you can go to that and check that out and support your local bookshop that way maybe i'll work on my own recommended reads you should you should (laughs) i'm not pace i don't have pace's superpowers on recommendations but i could recommend some good stuff you can you can well, our next movie that will be coming out is A New Hope. That will come out sometime in January, probably towards the end of January, since Emily and I still need to actually plan out our season a little bit more than we have. Um, Empire Strikes Back, from a certain point of view, will come out in the next few weeks. Alien is going to be part of our Star Wars season every other week. We're starting with Star Wars A New Hope, and then we'll watch Alien, and then Empire Strikes Back, and then Aliens, and go back and forth like that. So lots of cool stuff coming up. So stay With tuned. Patreon and like shout out to Patreon, as you know, but we're doing all of the Predator series for movie commentaries. We've got the bonus Star Wars movies that are not part of the trilogy for our horror buff levels. And we've got all sorts of different Star Wars show TV shows and stuff TV for show the stuff for the boo tubes. So yep. there is something for everyone. You get a lot if you're a horror nerd, and you get even more if you're a horror buff. Yep. So thank you, Ben, for being our lovely return guest and friend of the podcast. You know, anytime. This was fun. I, I mean, I, I love talking about Star Wars. Any any Star Wars, even bad Star Wars, is good <laughs> Star Wars to me. You know, that's fair. Um, and that's it for our show. Our theme music was by Matt May. Horror Nerds at Church releases seasonally on Thursdays. Please comment, rate, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Support us on Patreon and get access to exclusive movie commentary episodes, YouTube episodes, and more bonus content by going to patreon.com slash horrornerdsatchurch. It starts at only $5 to sign up, which is cheaper than a brain evaporator. <laughs> Follow us on all so- on our social media, Facebook and Instagram at Horror Nerds at Church, and Twitter at H-N-A-C-P-O-D, and Blue Sky at H-N-A-C-P-O-D, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for all the latest updates about upcoming films, news, and other announcements. Until next time... Go watch better holiday specials, please. (laughs) (laughs) I like it.